Hey, what's going on, Clipper people? Clipper comrades, it's me, <laughs> William the Opinion Updike. And I am positive Chuck Mockler. And we are joined by a very special guest today, Evan from Locked on Cavs. How's it going? Oh, not too bad. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? Doing great. And we have Evan here today to talk about the biggest news facing the Clippers right now, which is the addition of Ty Lue to that five-year contract as head coach. So we're going to talk a little bit about his coaching style off top, talk about, you know, like how how he adapts, what, what his game plans look like offensively and defensively. And then we're going to dig into a little bit of the pros and cons of Ty Lue and his system. Uh, really happy to have Evan here to, to dive into that. And then we're going to wrap things up with just some fun Ty Lue anecdotes. Uh, hopefully <laughs> there's some good ones out there. So all that and more coming up right about now. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We do have to remind our listeners, this is uh, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Uh, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON. Look at twenty percent off your next order. Getting into it, Evan. We yes. have not watched a lot of Cavs basketball, seeing as how we are Clippers fans. Um, what are kind of like the main aspects of Ty Lue's game plan? What do you think Ty Lue does well? Like, what can we, what can Clippers fans expect from his offense? Oh gosh, uh, there's a lot of things that Ty Lue does well, and you've come to appreciate it, especially as someone who watches the Cavs on a day to day basis after he's left with. Uh, <laughs> Larry Drew losing his love to coaching basketball. Who's joining the Clippers staff. Who's, who's a good coach in his own right. And to John Bayline, uh, maybe being a racist and being on his <laughs> way out to getting a diet version of Ty Lue and JB Bickerstaff, but on the court ties out of timeout plays are some of his trademarks in Cleveland. Uh, he was hired to be the defensive tactician under David Blatt and Ty quickly learned that the regular season really is irrelevant once they won the title. And um, he, punted the defense down to his assistance down the line. But as soon as the playoffs came around, he would construct the game plan to focus defensively on what he wanted to do to exploit matchups or mismatches or weaknesses of the opponent, which is okay. always a key thing. Ty ties a good playoff coach. He's um, oh, oh well, so there's going nice to be here. <laughs> yeah. You'll get frustrated at times with him in the regular season. You sometimes question his rotation, but he treats the regular season a lot like a drawing board just to kind of experiment and see what does work, what doesn't work. He tried some weird things like he's, he did Kevin Love at the five for a little bit, realized Kevin Love didn't like playing the five very much, <laughs> but realized that putting Kevin Love on a slow-footed big man like an Andre Drummond can make it hell for a team like Detroit when the Cavs played the Pistons and swept them because Kevin Love made Andre Drummond and like the, even the Hassan Whitesides of the world look silly. So yeah. he's really good in that regard. And then um, off the court as well, he's a big motivator. And he learned a lot of that from Doc, from what I've gathered. But Ty also has the temerity, if I want to put it that way, to call out the best player where yeah. – uh, during the 2016 finals in game seven, the second half, he told LeBron <laughs> what he was giving him wasn't good enough. And Ty's just the kind of guy, maybe he learned it from playing with superstars like Kobe Bryant or being playing for Phil Jackson. That's a Phil Jackson thing where he just, he knows how to play the egos of a locker room. And let's be frank under him, him in Cleveland, he had a, uh, a circus of personalities from LeBron to Kyrie, to J.R. <laughs> Smith to okay. Kevin Love and yeah, everyone in between. <laughs> um, but he still managed it. Um, He's a he's a good dude. He's a good guy. Um, he he didn't really want to leave Cleveland, from what I heard. But it was mm. he's also shared it was best for his health, and he honestly didn't want to come back to coaching for a while and just kind of take more time off. But Doc hounded him, and 
Uh, after everything that happened, he says he owes a lot to Doc in his career, so he came to the Clippers. But I could tell, like, okay, well, if this doesn't work, maybe he could be the Clippers guy. I, I more so started thinking it during Disney, and I'm like, okay. Yeah. So for you guys, um, like Paul George, when he was in a slump, Ty was a big person who was in Kevin Love's ear whenever Kevin was in a slump, and it would help pull him out of it because there's a lot of pressures of playing with LeBron. And I think Ty realizes um, more so it's just like building a culture and building things like that and just making sure like the guys have chemistry both on and off the court. So when the Cleveland traded for Channing Fry, a big thing they also – Ty embraced at least with, Ty, with uh, Channing and Richard Jefferson is like – all right, we're not really going to practice. We're going to do more team bonding and team chemistry building events because okay. having tangible chemistry on off the court easily translates to on the court. And if everyone kind of knows each other and, you know, aren't isn't as awkward and uncomfortable because like Kevin Love was a total loner when he came to Cleveland. He would avoid any team functions. He would just sit oh, in his wow. apartment and watch movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> no. And Ty and Channing and RJ more or less said like, all right, well, we are going to be in San Francisco before we head to Los Angeles. Let's go to the wine country for a few days and we'll just get really drunk and then, you know, get embarrassed hey. on national TV. But <laughs> it's moments like that, that ties coach Cleveland to four consecutive finals. Granted, you can say the Eastern conference isn't as strong as the West, but Ty has a resume and I was getting frustrated. He wasn't getting an opportunity, but now, Hey, he could really make the Lakers regret not hiring him after all this time too. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to talk some more on that later. I guess I wonder, like, should Clipper fans be worried at all uh, about his offensive game plan with the lack uh, of a traditional kind of point guard right now on the roster? Um, maybe, well, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, I guess cause LeBron kind of bucks the trend in that regard. Cause LeBron is, you know, a yeah. transcendental player, but he's LeBron. So that, yeah. He's LeBron. <laughs> so playmaking was kind of covered. So when you have like a scoring guard, like a Kyrie Irving or things like that, it, it works well. But I mean, George Hill was a bit of a more of a traditional point guard in LeBron's last year through the second half, at least. So it, it kind of works, but I think Ty knows that he can, like I said, he uses the regular season to make adjustments and figure out what does and doesn't work with what he has available to him. And um, when they, when they didn't have Isaiah Thomas at first and Derek Rose went on his sabbatical and they're starting Jose Calderon at some points, like Ty just adapts (laughs) and he learns how to make things work. Um, And he just, uh, he tries to remain as positive and level-headed about everything as well. And which helps, but like, like you said, the Clipper situation is a little difficult. Tricky, but maybe the Clippers make a trade to get a more traditional quote unquote point guard. But hey, maybe he'll start doing a lot more playing through PG 13, maybe Kawhi as a playmate, as a facilitator as well. Maybe it'll be a bit more of a committee thing. But you ha- you guys have an aggressive front office, you have aggressive ownership who are determined to win. And I think adding that in with a Ty Lu who is a versatile and multifaceted coach, if he told Steve Ballmer and the Clippers front office, like, Hey, we need to go out there and get like an actual facilitator. I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers landed one and it's some absurd, you know, trade package, which is a good thing. So Ty is, yeah, he's good at adapting to situations. So I wouldn't be too, too. I mean, yes, there's reason to be concerned if you don't have a playmaking point guard on your roster. Sure. But um, he'll adapt to it and, you know, he'll find ways to make the team play to their strength and find he'll just, he looks to exploit mismatches and, you know, everything else in between. Like Cleveland was a three point heavy team after about right after he took over as head coach, he saw it was working for the Warriors. He saw it was working for the Rockets and the Hawks at the time. And he's like, all right, we're going to go bombs away from three. And that's what worked at the time. And I th- hopefully he translates to just, you know, picking and choosing things that just work and, you know, just adapting. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, that's a huge relief 
uh, to all the fans of the Clippers. I mean, just coming sure. off of Doc's hesitance to really kind of break out of molds of things that he had done before or uh, even move away uh, from things that just straight up weren't working very clearly. Uh, so th- I think yeah. that that's definitely going to be a, a huge benefit uh, to the Clippers this year. For sure. And like a good example of that is when 2016, when they won the championship, Kevin Love was getting hooked, yanked right away. And they would just put Richard Jefferson didn't have much left in the tank, but defensively mm-hmm. he was able to hold up better against the lineup of death of the Warriors, quote unquote, or whatever you want to call it. And then he also realized that Harrison Barnes was a total liability. So he's like, all right, we'll dare him to shoot threes, but we'll lock down <laughs> on the other four. And it kind of, you know, they grinded it out a little bit and played some smart defense, but yeah, like you said, like Ty isn't very rigid. He likes to just kind of he'll do some weird, unconventional things at times that make you scratch your head like, OK, why did you go with this deep or things like yeah. that? But I just remember he would always when people ever question his coaching decisions at practice the following day or something like that, he would just kind of stare off at the championship banner while he was answering the question. So he was more or less telling he's <laughs> like, I-, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I I mean, everything you're saying, you're saying sounds great. Another I think another thing Clippers fans are maybe worried about. Does he tangibly listen to his assistant coaches? Because that was an issue with Doc. Yes. We know that Ty, okay, good, very good to hear. Because we know that Ty Lue was an assistant coach here. And a lot of people are like, well, how yeah. how much did he have to do with playing Trez? And there's no way that Ty Lue advocated to play Trez as much as he did and then get hired by the Clippers, right? So he does actually take input yeah. is what it sounds like. He takes input. Uh, Ty is, he is an analytics heavy. He'll look at analytics and realize what does and doesn't work. He is a guy where as long as there's a clear vision from the front office, from ownership and the coaching staff, he wants there to be continuity. He wants there to be just a smooth transition between all three parts because you want everybody on the same page in order to succeed. If you have one person who's, uh, you know, rattle, you know, trying to make things difficult, it doesn't work out. And that's also a part of the reason why his time in Cleveland came to an end is because he and Kobe Altman weren't seeing eye to eye in the direction of the team. And it was just beneficial for both parties to split, but no Ty, um, Yeah, no, he uh, will listen to his assistants. He works with them. Like I know James Posey was, I know he was infamous for being LeBron's best friend, but he was another coach that like, he leans on his assistants a lot and like values their input and everything as well. Like Larry Drew is going to be a big assistant for you guys. I, I honestly wouldn't be, I mean, Chauncey's going to be a big pickup as well if, if he doesn't take the Pacers job, but I wouldn't be surprised if you start seeing a lot of former Cavs assistants just slowly popping up because yeah. ties just, yeah, no, they work together and they make a scheme. Like I said, he's more of a playoff. They, they are definitely a playoff staff, but they will zero in on all the flaws of their opponent and make sure they exploit every single one. And it's a team effort. Like Ty's like, I, we didn't do it ourselves. It was all of us working together to figure out the scheme and rotations and everything else. Nice. Uh, coming up after this quick break, we're going to be talking uh, kind of Ty Lue's locker room control and how we can get a little bead on that more for the Clippers. But first we have to give a shout out to Roman. Uh, look, it's been difficult. Uh, people got to talk about erectile dysfunction. It can be hard. Uh, no pun intended, but with Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Uh, a healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping, a la Amazon Prime. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is very easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNBA, all capital letters and, of course, one word, and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be difficult to tackle, but now you can tackle it all you want because there is Roman. Uh, complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. 
Uh, go to GetRoman.com slash NBA today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash NBA. GetRoman.com slash NBA. Okay, so we're back with some more Ty Lue talk. And I just kind of want to kick this off with this question to you, Evan. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, Ty, unfairly, uh, a lot of his credit is kind of taken away and, and given to LeBron. Um, yeah, you know, which is, is understandable having, you know, one of the best on your team. Uh, but I guess my question for you is like, do you think that this, uh, if he does lead this Clippers team to a championship, that that would be any sort of vindication? Uh, and, and how did, has he, do you think elevated his players versus say, you know, his players taking more credit for some of those, for some of the success? Well, I know it's annoying to some, but I feel like if you injected truth serum into LeBron, he would tell you straight up that uh, Ty Lu was a big reason for their success in Cleveland. Like David Blatt wasn't working the Cavs. That's a perfect example of a team just being supremely talented. And I mean, a little bit of bad luck in the 2015 finals with the injury bug just ravaging the roster. But David Blatt had no respect or no control of that locker room and players were just deferring to Ty because he's a former player. He's played with greats like Kobe Bryant. He's won championships with the Lakers. Like he knows what it takes to succeed. And I think that's valuable when you have a role player like that, who knows how to work with all time greats when it comes to like a Kobe Bryant or now a Kawhi Leonard. And then they're able to even talk to and manage the guy who's 15th on the roster and just get in all they can out of him. Like, when LeBron left, Ty was fully committed to building and molding Cleveland's new roster under Colin Sexton and Jetty Osmond as the foundation. Like he wanted <laughs> to be them w- there with them every step of the way to like help develop them. And um, he also leaned on his veterans a lot too. It was, it was an awkward situation. We'll just put it that way, but I don't think he does get enough credit. And like I said, um, at first when he was fired in Cleveland, everyone's like, oh, who cares? It was just LeBron was the coach. Tyler was just the figurehead. And you see, he was just there to cash them checks. And you, you roll your eyes a little bit if you don't really break down like this nitty gritty and the nuances and really like talk to the players and mm-hmm. people in the organization who remain nameless because whatever. But when he left and we saw how quickly the cast took a nosedive, there's plenty of factors losing LeBron being a big one of it, but just simple stuff like that is just sub that goes underappreciated with Ty. And the fact that he's able also to just maximize his roster, like his players love playing for him. I remember when he was fired by the Cavs, J.R. Smith was devastated because he oh, one, felt responsible. Yeah, no, he felt responsible for getting Ty fired because that was the veteran Ty was throwing back. And J.R. was in a slump, but Ty's just like, no, I'm not going to give up on you. You just keep going out there and keep shooting. You'll find your shot again. Like, and then the Cavs front office is like, no, pull the veterans, play the young guys. And Ty's like, I'm not out here to lose. I'm out here to win. Yeah. So I'm going to lean on the guys that I know are going to help me win. Like, I'll play these young guys, sure. But I'm not going to try and lose these games just to, like, let these guys get have their growing pains. So, yeah, no, the J.R. Smith was devastated by that. I know Kyle Korver was a big advocate for keeping Ty. Kevin Love was, like, the biggest voice in the room, was furious they fired Ty because this is the guy they went to war with for – three, four years, depending on how long they were there. And it's just, it's just tough. So when it comes to the Clippers, at least he'll, like I said, he's big on culture. He's big on building chemistry, both on and off the court and just keeping everybody involved and making sure he's listening to not just his coaching staff, but his top guys in the roster all the way down to the 15th guy in the roster, even the G league players too, for your two way guys, like he'll listen to them, make sure they're taken care of, make sure they're good. 
he's a he's got a lot of empathy and a lot of just ability to relate to everybody um even talking to the media he's always just super cool calm and collected he that he makes you he values your time but he appreciates speaking with you like he doesn't feel like he doesn't like give you blase answers he's honest about everything that's like, <laughs> another big thing is he's honest and some of his tactics he's <laughs> yeah he's exciting um I mean, some of his tactics, there's the one that he copied from Doc, I know, is where they're in Oracle at the time. And I think they just either they lost on Christmas Day or it was one of those games around then. And he took a couple hundred dollars from each player, rubber banded it together and put it in the ceiling of the coach's office in the visitor's locker room. He's like, all right, well, when we win the championship, you'll get this back. And he's like said, like, well, shit, if we don't win the championship, I'm going to have to like, I'm going to look like an asshole. And like, these <laughs> yeah. guys are going to believe in me. But that was like one of the big things. And then he and LeBron, like LeBron's big on that culture thing. And like, it, it comes sometimes comes off like real hokey and disingenuous with LeBron. But another big thing for them is they had a 16 piece puzzle, the Larry O'Brien trophy. It's something him and Todd, Oh, LeBron nice. and Ty spearheaded and yeah so every time they won a game a player would come up and put a piece inside the case and then uh LeBron's last piece was the state of Ohio but Ty got the 15th one which is like one of the the last game in Cleveland and like yeah. it was just a cool thing and like I said he's a big culture guy he's big on chemistry and then like he has a track record of success and I'm so like, again, I'm surprised he hasn't gotten a job yet. It's a little frustrating to say the least, but I think, you know, he was also waiting for the right opportunity and this Clippers opportunity is definitely the right opportunity. That's great that you mentioned the puzzle. I feel like there's such strong, uh, also major league vibes from that. If uh, our listeners are familiar with the movie major league. Um, So are the, what are the cons of Ty Lue, right? Like we've kind of been singing his praises. What are the things that maybe yeah. Ty Lue does to get him in trouble sometimes? Because everything you've said sounds amazing. It has me much more excited. Uh, I was excited to begin with, but all of this is, I'm, you know, even more hyped. But what are the things to maybe look out for for Ty Lue? Um, I, like I said, one of his biggest cons, you know, he does treat the regular season like an experiment. And sometimes he just kind of, doesn't really care too too much about the record as well and um there's some concerns with that you know the track record of when there's questions of how is he able to develop young talent because he didn't really get a chance to in cleveland because he Mm -hmm. was fired after he went zero and six to start the 2018 no 20 yeah 2018 2019 season and um it's just like his offensive philosophy and have some concerns at times maybe because like how is he going to craft the system like he like i said he plays the strength of the players like you said there's a concern about the point guard like maybe that does turn into a huge wrinkle for the uh clippers going forward and that's more something the front office needs to address but it's just mostly like he likes to experiment he likes to tinker with things and just kind of like figure out what doesn't doesn't work and it's all part of the big picture like from the outside looking in like cat people, the other 29 fan bases are just like, what the hell is Cleveland doing? Like they're getting obliterated by this like bad squad just on a Tuesday night in November. And then you realize it, it's a Tuesday night in November. These guys aren't getting up for a game in Tuesday in November. They're getting up for the playoffs. And Ty kind of has that mentality. Um, Which has kind of teams You probably shouldn't lose to, you know, that, that switch flip is kind of a thing that like everyone talked about this year with the Clippers yeah. so much. And like Kawhi is seemingly the only human being, at least on the Clippers who like, I actually believe can do that. Um, so it seems like, yeah, mm-hmm. Ty might do a little bit more. So I think as long as we experiment and Clippers fans will be excited. 
Yeah, it, it has its benefits. Like, it's hard to see the forest for the trees sometimes. That's another yeah. good way to put it. It's like you zero in on like these little things. You're like, what the hell is he doing? Like, why? Like, this team is supremely talented. They should be blowing the bricks off a team like Charlotte or Cleveland on a nightly basis. And, you know, you just catch them off guard. Sometimes it just doesn't work. And like I said, Ty will do that championship banner thing. He also gives a lot of blase answers on his reasoning too, which frustrates the media even more. <laughs> okay. And then... um yeah no like cleveland media could be hard on him it's unfairly hard on him at times but like i said four years or a couple years removed now from him being the head coach of the Cavs, we've come to really appreciate him and i don't know we we, we call him the best coach in franchise history it's because of 2016 but he does have a lot of a track record and resume that shows it and yeah it's just mostly like you can get frustrated with some things, but then you realize like, okay, well we're blowing the bricks. Like a team like Atlanta, like the Cavs would get dist- demolished by in the regular season or something like that. Or Toronto, Toronto was like the biggest boogaboo yeah. the last LeBron year. <laughs> and then everyone's like, okay, the Raptors are going to just beat the Cavs. This year's the year. And then Ty Lue and the Cavs completely embarrassed Dwayne Casey and the Raptors <laughs> to the point where Dwayne Casey was fired after he won coach of the year. So it's like Ty isn't too, too concerned about record. Cause, um, that's another thing too. Like he doesn't care. Like the Cavs were the fourth seed that year. And uh, granted it was an all time LeBron performance in the playoffs, but a lot of ties coaching as well. And like exploiting Mitch mismatches and like realizing like, okay, Kevin loves getting abused by the Pacers. We're going to have to bring Kevin love off the bench for this game or things like that. Or like they have to go smaller or just work. Like I said, he experiments a lot in the regular season to figure out what does and doesn't work. And he has a constant pulse of this team. So it, it's easy to get caught up in like, those small moments when you realize like, okay, the end goal is a championship not to win 88 or 82 games in the regular season. Like 50 is realistic, obviously, but you'd rather get to the playoffs fully healthy. Oh, that's the other thing. He doesn't practice and that can frustrate people. Like, Oof, okay. Clippers that might practice. be a red flag for some Clippers fans. Too. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't really run practice. Um, the Cavs were an older squad when he was coaching them. So usually it was just, uh, team bonding stuff or they would review film or do like light scrimmages or things like that where they didn't really want to work there because again it's it's not a sprint it's a marathon so you the end goal is a championship you want to keep your guys healthy and keep them ready but the Clippers have a lot of veterans I think they understand I mean I think Kawhi will uh, really appreciate it and like we jo- <laughs> I joked with my buddy about this when he was a finalist for the Sixers job before Doc swooped it I'm like well Joel Embiid's going to gain like 200 pounds after he becomes the head coach so <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Um, coming up after this quick break, um, we're going to be talking more Ty Lue stuff. But first, Will, Built Bars, what are they? And how could I acquire some if I wanted some? Oh, buddy. Uh, Built Bars are a health bar, but they actually taste good. They're all covered in chocolate. They come in 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors for those with allergies out there. The bars are healthy. They're great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight. While, the, while indulging in a delicious treat, bars are low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, they're high fiber, which makes them great for the keto diet. And right now we have a very special offer for our listeners. If you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, that's all caps, one word, you'll get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. One more time, please use promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. All right, so we had a couple more questions about Ty Lu. Um, Let's do it. So I guess I have my my big question is actually: Are you how surprised were you that Ty didn't end up taking the job with the Lakers? And do you think any of that had to do with the relationship with LeBron? It didn't have. To, I mean, 
No, LeBron fought and kicked and bitched and moaned with the Lakers front office and ownership saying like, I want Tyron Lue to be the head coach. It made a lot of sense. He played point guard for the Lakers. The Lakers just got cheap and they lowballed Ty multiple times and Ty, what the Clippers offered is what he wanted from the Lakers. And the Lakers said, we don't feel comfortable giving you that. And Ty's like, I'm a championship winning coach. Why don't I get the respect I deserve? And I think maybe the Lakers were just kind of being cheap about it. And they were hesitant thinking like, again, like that stigma with like, maybe it was more LeBron than it was you, but I don't think it's the case. And what Ty got with the Clippers is what he was looking for with the Lakers. And I don't think a lot of it was LeBron. I think Ty would have, done a lot of crazy good things. I mean, the Lakers were very good in their own right with Frank Vogel. Frank Vogel really surprised me in getting LeBron to respond and play for him because that's the biggest struggle with coaching a player like that is like LeBron tried to get Eric Spolster fired 20 games into his time in Miami <laughs> and wanted Pat Riley to step back down. And Pat Riley pushed him aside and said, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Um, if you have LeBron's respect, that's like one of the biggest things you can have. And there's only a hand. I mean, he got David Blatt fired the same way. And so yeah. Ty yeah. is one of those guys he respects, has LeBron's respect. And I think that's that was a big selling point on him. But the Lakers just lowballed him on an offer and didn't really offer him the money a championship coach would have deserved. And so he's like, all right, see you later. And then I think he had a few. I talked to him actually – before the season soon after he joined the Clippers staff and we were just kind of like just shooting the shit a little bit. I'm like asking like, cause he had a lot of health scares his last year because yeah. the pressure of coaching a LeBron James led team led to a lot of panic attacks and they were to the point where they were debilitating for him. But and he had family stuff. Like he, he was, had family members kind of in health um, scary yeah, situations that as well. too. Yeah. Yeah. So he, we we're talking. I'm like, are you doing? Because he he looked like he was in bad shape when the Cleveland started 0 6 because he's just feeling a ton of pressure just from trying to win. And I think you know, like I said, it was beneficial for all parties involved. I wish it didn't have to happen that way. But for Ty's health, he's more than comfortable in saying like, yeah, uh, Doc just basically bugged me every single day until I joined the staff because I was ready to just take the year off and kind of see what's out there next year. And I know he was spoken, speaking to another few teams besides the Lakers, but he really wanted that Lakers job. So I think maybe he'll have a little bit of a motivated edge now too, to uh, one beat the Sixers. Cause he really wanted the Sixers job too, before doc stepped in and oh, then damn. two, cause I think at the time, like we, no one expected doc to get fired either. And then apparently Ballmer yeah, was ready true. to go. So he was really mad. Yeah. I, yeah. So <laughs> I think like Ty was like, on the five yard line, like, okay, I think I'm going to coach Philly when I last spoke to him. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. Congratulations. And then that they doc met with him, and it all changed, but I think he's going to even have even more motivation to really one, prove a point to the Lakers that like, it wasn't just LeBron. It was me as well, but even more added motivation to let them make them regret not signing, citing him to be their head coach. And now the crosstown rival is going to be kicking your ass because the guy you didn't hire is going to be the reason for it. Yeah, that's uh, I had no idea about how much he wanted the the 76ers job. I think the 76ers job is a disaster. So I'm very happy that oh, we we had Doc too. and Tyloo switch places in that situation. Um, Tyloo and Chauncey kind of have a funny relationship. Uh, they've kind mm-hmm. like Tyloo has like put Chauncey Billups on blast on national TV for being afraid of cats. Um, is, is there any possibility for hijinks between these two? Like, is this going to be a fun assistant coach head coach relationship? Yeah, I think it will be. And like I said, you want that continuity and you want that familiarity and chemistry more than anything, not just your players, but your coaching staff as well. And like 
like I said, James Posey was one of LeBron's friends, but he was also friends with Ty. And then Posey ended up coaching at the G League level for a while too. And I wouldn't be, I think either he has, he is going to join the Clippers staff, or I wouldn't be surprised if he does because mm. just, you know, value, he, Ty values community, he values chemistry and he values continuity. And having like an established reports, Chauncey, like, yeah, he likes to share funny anecdotes about the cats thing and everything, but like that's beneficial as well. And, I know Chauncey has coaching aspirations and I think it would do him a lot of good to be a lead assistant for a team. And also like Chauncey is another NBA point guard. It's just um, like, I, I hope Steve Nash succeeds with the nets, but like those cerebral player players are used to being great at all times. You don't understand what it's like to be like a role player, like Ty and Chauncey, like for sure they can tap in like through when they like, okay, this is adversity. Like I had to work my ass off to get to this point. And like Chauncey obviously had a long term career and he had star moments as well but no like having two minds bright minds like that on your coaching staff to be able to design an offense or design defensive scheme like those are paramount for success in the nba but like yeah no having an established rapport makes it easier too so it's not as awkward trying to pick and choose things so you can be brutally honest with each other too if you're friends like okay this isn't working or this is working like you don't have to sugarcoat it with each other yeah absolutely i think that's going to be a huge thing for the clippers i mean that you know, of the things that plagued them in the, in the playoffs, I mean, I, I think never having any sort of like continuity or, or clear identity was a, a huge factor in, you know, just people not being on the same page, um, especially offensively. So I think, yeah, the, if Chauncey does end up at, like joining the staff, I think that that'll be a great addition and just go further to kind of cement that. Um, obviously the Clippers have really high expectations next year. Um, oh, absolutely. Things are a little bit different for the expectations for the Cavs. I guess mm-hmm. I'm wondering like kind of what you are seeing as the, as the goals for the Cavs next year development wise. Um, and kind of, I guess, who do we think will meet their expectations this year? Obviously, like I said, very different expectations between the Cavs and the Clippers. Um, it's really, I, I want to say both. Cause I think I, I, I really we'll have a lot it. of confidence in <laughs> And Ty's ability to coach this Clippers squad because when Paul George was self-combusting, I just thought to myself, I'm like, Ty would know how to push the right buttons or realize, like, I got to yank him or put him in his position to succeed because this isn't a regular season where I can afford to let him go through a slump and hopefully he gets out of it. Or, like, you know, the Trez thing where Zubox was absolutely killing the Nuggets, but Doc was determined to play Trez instead. Like, Ty wouldn't do that. If he knows it's not going to work, it's really easy for him to make the change. Like, he doesn't care how much money you make or what awards you want or what your points per game were. He's like, I'm out here to win and I'll put my guys in that position to win too. And, like, if you believe in me, I'll take you to the promised land kind of thing, which is cliche. But in terms of the Cavs, they're a bit of a conundrum because they have some remaining pieces in Kevin Love and like Tristan Thompson's a free agent this year could maybe sign for a team on the cheap. Like I, I like him in both LA teams. If he's willing to sign on a cheap contract, like he, but he Cleveland would like to bring him back. Matthew Delavadova is still lingering around. Um, completely destroyed a shot, but he's like more of a coach on the floor for these younger guards. And, Cleveland's accumulated a lot of fun young talent in like Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Kevin Porter Jr. Jetty Osmond has his peaks and valleys, but he's fun. Dylan Windler, the organization can't say enough about, and they have the fifth pick in this upcoming draft, and hopefully they target a wing player. I think that's the thinking of the front office, and I think – but the problem is – or at first I was concerned when Colin Sexton did an interview with 
Martin Rickman of Dime Magazine where he said, all right, well, I want to make the playoffs next year. Like, I think that's going to be my goal. And then people like Larry Nance were doubling down on it. And then Kobe Altman more or less came out and said during his media availability, like, okay, yeah, we support the voice of one of our best players in Colin Sexton. I'm like, okay, this could be dangerous if you think that you're going to do that. And I've kind of scaled that back and I've realized like the Cavs are aspiring to be a team where they're going to try their best every single night and stop trying to intentionally lose because of the flattened lottery odds. Like you look in the Zion draft, the Lakers and the Pelicans and the Grizzlies all jumped above teams like New York and Cleveland who could use a player like that. So the lottery is stacked against you, even if you're the worst team or just a mediocre team. And I think the Cavs are going to transition into a team that is going to try their best, but they're still going to be bad. And I'm totally okay with that. As long as the young guys continue to grow and develop and, I like the direction they're heading in. I think if they draft like a defensive minded wing, it will make a big difference for them, like an Isaac Okoro or someone like that. But it's going to be a slow burn for Cleveland. Um, <laughs> Chris, Chris Manning and I talk about it on our show. We call them floor raisers. Like when you have like a John Morant or a Zion Williamson oh, yeah. or a, a Luka Doncic even who LeBron threw a game against Brooklyn and uh, still a little bitter about it. And that, <laughs> that, that loss to the Nets probably could have been the difference maker in the Cavs picking Luka Doncic over Colin Sexton. But oh, that's, wow. that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, this, this, this isn't a therapy session. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, but that sounds brutal. It, so the Cavs have accumulated a lot of nice complimentary pieces. Colin Sexton has some star potential where he's really superseded a lot of my expectations. Um, Kevin Porter on paper seems like he has star potential just because of his measurables and the fact that he's playing a lot higher above the status of a 30th overall pick. Um, But it's just the Cavs are kind of chipping away waiting to get the quote unquote guy. Uh, We talk about like the Clippers before, you know, that transition era they had between Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and to what they have now where granted they don't have the luxury of playing in a glamour market like Los Angeles, but if the Cavs are able to accumulate just like a, like a lot of just smart, solid, good young talent that has potential and maybe you can make a cash in move to acquire a superstar or you just build a consistently good team and then just slowly work towards what's next. But the Cavs don't have the guy yet. And I don't think they're going to get it at least until maybe the 2021 draft. And we'll approach this conversation again, but yeah, no, I, I think Cleveland and the Clippers both will be playing to the expectations set for them heading into next season. And I'm kind of exceeded, not exceeding excited to see where things are headed next. Yeah, we are too. Thank you so much um, for getting us hyped up on Ty Lu. Clippers fans, if you need an Eastern Conference team to root for, why not the Cavs? You know, they're only the guy yeah, away, not? which isn't bad. Um, Evan, thank you again so much um, for talking to us about Ty Lu, his pros and his cons. Where can these fantastic listeners uh, find you if they want more Cavs news? Well, you can find my ramblings of day-to-day nonsense at, on Twitter at AmNotEvan. Uh, I am, I like I mentioned, this is a Locked On Network crossover episode. So I co-host oh, yeah. Locked On Cavs with Chris Manning. We are five days a week. We're doing right now a lot of draft coverage, a lot of free agency coverage because the Cavs do have some options for free agency and trade partners as well because we're desperate to try and dump Andre Drummond on somebody else at this point. So we're trying to see who really wants them. So we're doing a lot of that. We've been having some great guests on just to come pick our brain and just talk about the general NBA, the NBA in general as a whole. And then 
just just a lot of fun. But uh, you can also find my work over at Forbes online sports section. I cover the Cavs and the NBA there. And then speaking of my co-host, Chris Manning, we also run the show at SB Nation's Fear the Sword. And I do a lot of mailbag things. And that's usually where I get more tongue in cheek. I'm a little less buttoned up as well. So if you want to see the more off laid back me talking about the Cavs, that's where you want to head over. But, you yeah, know, I really appreciate it, guys. It's a lot of fun. Um, I'm happy to talk about Ty anytime. I think the world of them and he's going to be great. I'm more than certain of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, you've totally sold me on him. I, I was excited before, but now even more so. So thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah. And well, where can these people uh, tell their friends to listen to our Clippers podcast? You can check us out on iTunes or the podcast app. We're also on Google podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Deezer. You can tell your smart speaker to play locked on Clippers. If you haven't already, please subscribe, leave a rating or review. If you like what we're doing, it helps us out. Yeah. Just keep rocking with us. More exciting news to come for the Clippers. Yep. Yep. And on Tuesday's episode, we're going to have Twitter Tuesday. So send your questions into at locked on clips. Um, definitely some deep draft talk because the Clippers, believe it or not, do actually have a draft pick. Um, and whatever else happens between now and then in Clipperland, Evan, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I have, uh, I've been positive, Chuck Mockler. And I am William, the Opinion Updike. Appreciate you.